Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. What a Sunday. What a Sunday to consider today's red letter scripture. For all those reasons I've mentioned it, it's an incredible Sunday. I've saved this scripture for today. It won't be a lengthy message, a devotion preparing us for all that is ahead of us, but only on this day, I think, could this scripture mean so much to us. And here it is. Matthew 12, verse 50. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. How many of you have a brother somewhere? How many of you have a sister? How many of you, God bless you, still have a mother on the face of this earth? Jesus is saying something very special here. Let's bow in prayer and ask God to make sure he helps us understand it. Heavenly Father, oh, how it must thrill you when we read the words of your Son. All the words in the book are your words. But when we read the ones in red letters, they're the ones that your Son, Jesus, who who gave up so much to come to earth, actually uttered. And they're precious. They're important. Bless these ones that we read today and apply them to our hearts, we ask, for his sake and for the sake of the church he's building. Amen. Oh, I'll tell you, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That goes way beyond saying they're a member of my church. They're going to be part of the organization I'm building that will have millions in it. He's saying something so personal, so intimate, so uh, relational. What a Sunday to consider the significance of this family like no other. That's what I'm calling this message. A family like no other. Jesus identified it in his day, and it still exists today this family of faith that we're identifying today. What a concise and yet profoundly simple way to define what a true family of faith is. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven. That's who comprises that family. All of those who do that are in. That's what Jesus said. And they're precious to him. That's what Sun Life Community Church has all these years sought to be. Today we identify the 27th one-year version of this congregation, seeking to be a genuine family of faith all through the years. Now let's look at the larger passage out of which our red-letter scripture arises. Picture the situation as I read. The gospel writer is going to set the stage just a little bit so you picture it as best you can, the real human beings who are taking part in this. Matthew 12, beginning with verse 46. 
the writer says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd. So Jesus was in a teaching moment. He's teaching the crowd. And you know sometimes he would go on and on and on and on. While he was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside. So he was inside somewhere. Picture them on the front porch of this church, outside our glass doors. They, were, they stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Kind of chiding him, I think, a little. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then it says, pointing to his disciples. So his disciples were probably right there, maybe some of the closest to him. But then in the Gospel of Mark, when Mark recounts this same situation, Mark says Jesus was looking at those seated in a circle around him. So that put, puts another image in our mind. His disciples were there. They may have been the ones who were seated in a circle around him, but you can just imagine these are... These are the people that he was teaching and sharing his heart with. And as he looked at them, as he pointed at his disciples, he said, Here, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now that final statement, he includes the sisters. Because he had some sisters. And they were outside too, but he got them all in. Whosoever, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. So how successful were you? Could you picture that? Could you picture Jesus inside somewhere? Could you picture the people just sitting in a circle around him, just, uh, just taking up, taking in every single word he was speaking, eating up everything he said? Could you see his smile of delight as he looked upon them? Could you feel the delight that filled those people's hearts as he declared them to be part of this new family he was creating? As I said a moment ago, what a concise and yet profoundly simple way to describe what a true family of faith is. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. It's simple. Only 16 words. We could memorize it easy. And yet it's profound. It contains some concepts that are easily overlooked, especially in today's contemporary churches. First of all, then, this red letter statement presents what I'm calling this morning a wide open opportunity. A wide open opportunity. Jesus starts by saying, whoever. Whoever. He didn't say any of you Jews. He didn't say even some of you Gentiles. He didn't say all you rich folks. He didn't say all you poor folks just grubbing along. He didn't identify them in any human standard at all, except they had to be a human being. If you're a human being, you're one of the whoever. No earthly preconditions. No gender. 
No racial, no ethnic, no economic, no educational, no age, no resume of minimal achievement required to be considered for entrance. Not everybody gets in. But nobody is automatically left out just because of who or what they are. But there is, there is, you note, as we read through there, one, one entrance requirement. And it has nothing to do with what kind of human being you are. You might have even messed up your life royally. And you're a mess up. You might have changed your physical configuration to make you something that you once weren't and now you trying to be. You might have done all kinds of things. You may come from a different racial group than the people around you. You may come from a different part of the world than those around you. You may be taller than anybody anybody's ever seen. None of that will get you in just because you are it. And none of that will keep you out just because you are it. It's whoever. We Christians in this country need to start wrapping our hearts once again around the breadth of that whoever. And quit putting ourselves in little categories. I'm one of these. I'm like that. And as soon as you identify yourself by some limiting condition, you are, whether you know it or not, eliminating someone else who's not like that. We need to, as much as possible, just say, I'm a human being living in this world. The image of God is upon me, even as it is upon every single human being. And as Jesus was talking in his day in a highly divided world, he starts by saying, whoever. No one automatically exempt. No one automatically in. Because then he goes on to say there is an entrance requirement. And it's one, sad to say, now as we've looked through the 2,000 years since, it is one that eliminates the vast majority of the human race. But it has nothing to do with any of those distinctions. It has to do with what Jesus says next. You see, to... In his description of this incredible family, like no other, Jesus identified an absolute necessity. Here it is. If this is true of you, you're in. If this is not true of you, you're out. Now, you can make it true of you, but if it's not true of you right now, then you're, you're not part of you're not identified with this incredible family that Jesus is pouring his love out upon. And here it is. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven. Does the will of my Father in heaven. If you do that, you're in. If you don't do that, you're not. It's a very specific behavior or orientation of your life. 
See, becoming a member of this new family of faith requires doing the will of the Heavenly Father. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? That's what Jesus was doing every day of his earthly life. (laughs) He said one time, Father, I came to do your will, and he did. Every single day in every conceivable way. Doing the Father's will. That's what Jesus was all about. And he's looking for people who would be linked to him like a mother and a brother and a sister. Saying, you know, we share the same family values. We share the same family identity. And I want you to to feel my heart and my love because it's like we're the same flesh. Those who are doing the will of God are more alike than any other people in the world. But now we know there's a catch there. There's a problem there. Because Jesus was Jesus, wasn't he? How hard do you think it was for him to do the will of God? On a scale of 0 to 10, what would you guess? He was perfect, right? He was holy. He never had a sinful passion develop in him. So he came to do the will of God, and he was doing the will of God, and anyone sitting in that circle could say, well, that's why we're sitting here listening to him, because he's Jesus and we're not. How can he hold, how can he hold us to the standard that he keeps himself? He could live a holy life, but the people around him knew that they weren't Jesus, and they couldn't live like him. That's why they were hanging on his every word. That's why they would come to him and say, heal us. Cast the ugliness, the demon out of us. And yet, and yet in that very moment, Jesus was smiling at them. He was pleased with them. He was announcing something about them. It was like he was saying that in his eyes, they were already doing it, whatever it was, because he's going to let his mom and his brothers hang out on the front porch while he continues to just minister to these that are so precious to him. He looks at them and he says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven. It's like he's saying, fellas, ladies, you're doing it. You are some of them. Well, how could that be? You see, he was treating them like they were already in this incredible family of his. So perhaps it wasn't perfection that was required. but something they could do. How many of us, let's just get it out of the way, how many of you are not perfect? Okay, there's three of you I need to talk to after the service. Let's just get that out of the way. If perfection is required of our behavior, then we're never going to be in the family of God, right? So Jesus can't be talking about perfection here. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And then he looks at these imperfect people, and it goes like this. These. These precious ones. So it's not perfection. 
And Jesus is giving the impression that whatever it is that they have to do, they've already done it. Because he's not saying, and all of these could be. All of you might get in. He's looking at them saying, these, these are my mother and brother and sister. They have done it. They've met the standard and I cherish them as my own flesh and blood, spiritually speaking. So now the question is, what could it be that they had already done? I'm sure that went through their mind. Hey, he's, he's including us. You would think that's the time he should have gotten to that point. Whoever does the will of my, my father in heaven is my sister, brother, and, and mother, and uh, all you just get out of here. Send in a fresh bunch. No. He's embracing them. However many they were, including his disciples and others as well. So how could they already be doing the will of his Father in heaven, which is the requirement to get into this relationship with him. Well, I believe the answer to that incredibly important question is given in what I'm going to add to your outline today. Linda's got it. Our second red-letter scripture. we got to read this one. Jesus himself can give us the answer. And here it is in John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus says, when asked, he said, now the work, and we can understand certainly that to me, to mean the will, the work, the will, the thing that God wants, the thing that pleases God. The work of God is this, meaning this is the work that people do. God doesn't do this. This is the work his people do. The work, the will of God is this, to believe. That's that great Greek word that we translate with about four or five English words to try to get the whole thing through. To believe, pisteo, to trust, to rely upon, to commit yourself to. This is the work of God, that people would believe, commit themselves, trust the one that he has sent. That's what Jesus said. We know now in the further development of God's plan in this world that there's two that God has sent. He sent his son to be the savior and then he and the son sent the spirit to be the companion. And Jesus is saying the will, the work of God, the will of my father in heaven is first off simply that we believe in the ones who have been sent beginning with Jesus Christ. Now, those people gathered around him that day were doing that. They were doing that. They saw Jesus as the, as the one they should be learning from. They saw Jesus as the one that, that God had sent. Everything they knew to that point about Jesus of Nazareth, they believed. He was a miracle worker. He was a forgiver of sins. He was a teacher of the truth. He was one that nobody ever spoke like he spoke, and, and he was teaching them, and they were just believing every single word. And they were doing the will of God, the will of his Father in heaven. They believed in Jesus wholeheartedly. And they would continue to believe as he added more to their knowledge and to their firsthand experience, especially 
thinking of his disciples. Now in the years to come, these same ones, many of them, would believe and yield themselves to Numa, the Holy Spirit himself who came on the day of Pentecost, whom the Father would send to take Jesus' place when Jesus left this earth and this Spirit of God would be their daily companion, and they would believe he was there. They would believe he was real. They would believe they could hear his voice. They could believe that he would open up their eyes and hearts to understand the truth of God. They believed that he would remind them of everything they had heard about Jesus. And whenever they were sitting around, what did Jesus say about it? You know, I, I did, the Spirit would remind them spiritual truth. And they believed it. They believed it. Now, you and I are in the same position as they. That's the starting point. Believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Believe in his sinless life and in his sacrificial death on Calvary. Believe in his triumphant resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Believe in and yield yourself to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit who has been sent to guide you every step of the way from right now to heaven's gate. Take to heart every word Jesus ever spoke. Allow those red-letter words to become the truths by which you live, and you will be doing the will of God, even as Jesus envisioned. And as a result, you will be included in an unbelievable identity. It's the one Jesus came up with himself. So it's not us being flippant. Jesus is the one who said, hey, you can look at me this way, because I look at you this way. The unbelievable identity, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is. See, not might be, could be, is. These people he was looking at that very day. It's a is. You're already there, fellas. You're doing the will of God, having recognized me as having come from God, recognizing me as a truth speaker for God. You are doing the will of God, and as a result, you are. my brother and sister and even mother. Now, that's tough for me to stretch that far. But for you ladies, do you ever imagine even in your, you know, I don't know, maybe your most frivolous spiritual moments, imagine you were Mary? What would it be like to have the Son of God under your authority? And responsibility? What would it be like to, to see him grow up where you're trying to nurture him? And at 12 years old, he already knows far more than you or your husband could ever think about? And yet Jesus says, you know, I could, I could look upon you the way I look upon my mom. I love my mom. My mom is one of the holiest most committed spiritual people that ever walked on the face of the earth. She's Mary, the mother of the Son of God. She gave herself to that task 
that would bring great condemnation upon her in the eyes of people, an unmarried woman bearing a child. But she did it because God himself called her to. And the angel, Jesus could say, man, I was able to come eagerly from heaven to do the will of God. But how about a fallen, sinful, weak human being like my mom who just said, be it unto me. Oh, I love my mom. I love my mom. And he could walk right into this room if he were still in the flesh and look at some of you ladies and say, you know, you remind me of my mom. I've told a couple of you that over the years. Usually I put it this way, you could be my mom's younger sister. Because no matter how old you were, she was older. And Jesus says, you could be like my mom to me. You could be like a brother to me. We go through stuff together. We hang in together. You could be my sisters who I know look up and admire me. All of that's good. All of that's good. All of that's relational. All of that's personal. It's an unbelievable identity to say, <laughs> Jesus considers me to be like a brother to him. And that's what he desires. And by his spirit, he can enable us to sense it, to feel it, to rejoice in it, and kind of say to ourselves, you know, this Christian thing's not as hard as some people make it out to be. We don't have to learn a thousand behaviors and, and follow them every single day because somebody said good Christians don't and good Christians do. No. What good Christians do, the best of Christians is they just believe Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They believe every word he said. They believe in his Holy Spirit who's been sent to be with them. And they've learned to hear his voice. And so they believe that he can guide them through life. And they let him do it. And it's amazing how much stuff just falls into place. Right here. Jesus could say, right here. I mean, if Jesus were right here, the spot right down there teaching, how many of you would be willing to just sit around him and listen? Would you give him 30 minutes? Would you give him an hour? Do you think he might go right through lunch and you wouldn't even feel the hunger pangs? It's, it's Jesus. Can you believe it? In our church? I'll stay here all day. If he teaches for 40 days, I'll stay. I don't care if I have to fast for 40 days. Either he'll take care of me at the end or he'll take me home. It'd be 40 days with Jesus. Hey, what a, what a thought. And that's like all you got to do to be doing the will of God. Believe in the one he sent. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Spirit of God. And not just have some doctrinal truth, but really rely upon it. And so all of us today, a few minutes we're going to have communion together. Communion is a physical way for us to declare to ourselves and to the world around us that we believe in Jesus. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do exactly what Jesus said was part of the will of God. 
to take part in this communion and say, through it, we believe in Jesus. We believe he died on the cross for our sins. We believe that he rose again and ascended into heaven. We believe that we belong to him and to one another through faith in his name. We believe that he will come again to judge the world. We believe that he has sent the Holy Spirit to guide our every step along our earthly path. And let me say, and so as we believe, we together do the Father's will. And as we do the Father's will, we enter into a deep personal relationship with the Lord Jesus himself that gets so close, so close, that he, were he to come in the flesh again, could say, you're like a mom to me. You're like a brother to me. Standing by me, I can rely on you. You're like a sister to me that makes me feel so good because you look up to me and honor me as your older brother. And, and all together, it's just a family, as we say, like no other. Amen? Our final thought just says that. Those who do Abba's will discover a family like no other. And let me just add to you, a family that has Jesus right at the center of it. Our Heavenly Father, your Son was truly amazing as he walked upon this earth. He lowered himself down so far that angels were mystified. But he was still so far above fallen humanity that, that we were mystified. How could a man speak like this, people said. How can a man live like this? How can a man look at life the way he does? How can a man give us directions for living like he does? He is the Son of God. And he gave himself that he might belong to us in the most personal way possible. So, Father, today we confess as a whole congregation here, and we confess individually, I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe in all the Scripture says about him. I believe that he was sent from the Father, and therefore, Father, in that respect, I know I am doing your will perfectly. And how good that feels. Because as we're reminded, in our earthly walk, you are wonderfully forgiving. We mess up a lot. But Father, we, we desire not to ever mess up in this. To ever stop believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, come to earth, that he died for our sins, that we've been forgiven because we've put our faith and trust in him. We do your will, O oh God. And may it bring you pleasure, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.